0: Knit two, purl one, knit one,
1: knit one. How's that going for you?
0: (laughs) In this round, move the marker every fourth round, marking the index finger knuckle.
1: And I don't know what that means.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A few weeks ago, I met with my colleague Julia. She helps with research for this project, but on that day, we weren't sharing notes or fact checking. We were looking at a series of knitting patterns that had been written by a computer more specifically, a neural network. That network had been fed several hat patterns as examples, and then, all on its own, it came up with new hat patterns. But the results were not quite what we expected. Today's episode is all about artificial intelligence, AI. What it is, what it isn't, what it can and can't do. What happens when you try to teach a computer how to knit? Can a neural network match the creativity of a human? And what might happen if the Terminator became a knitwear designer? Your clothes, give them to me, now. This is Fiber Nation, tales of textiles, craft, and culture. I'm your host, Alison Korleski. Before we get to the part about knitting robots, I need to explain what AI actually is, and that might take a little while. If you say the words artificial intelligence, the image that comes to mind is a super smart computer doing incredibly complex things like predicting crime before it happens or overthrowing the human race. Ask an expert, though, and you find out that image is not the reality. Mostly. So, hi, my name is Janelle Shane. Janelle is a research scientist who works a lot with AI, though somewhat disappointingly, not with killer robots.
2: So the thing that we're calling artificial intelligence right now is a much simpler kind of computer program, but it is a specific kind of computer program where instead of giving it step-by-step instructions exactly on how to solve a problem, you give it the goal and let it figure out its own solution via trial and error.
0: Let's break that down. When you start writing a Word document, you're using a computer program. You type your document and the Word program lets you format it, checks your spelling and grammar, yada yada. It uses pre-programmed code to apply set rules to whatever text you enter. And all those rules were created by a human being. Artificial intelligence, though, sometimes called machine learning, operates differently. You just give the AI program a bunch of stuff, text, images, and then you give it a goal, like find sheep in those photos or find errors in that text. The AI has to figure out how to reach that goal, using the information it already has. Basically, at least at first, it guesses. The more information the AI has to work with, the better it gets at guessing, because it can compare whatever it comes up with, with the information it already has. The machine teaches itself. No humans necessary.
2: My CPU is a neural net processor, a learning computer.
0: We have a few knitting-related examples of this, even before we get to the actual patterns. But first, a bit more on artificial intelligence.
2: So most of the AI programs that I use, and actually most of the ones that are being used commercially, are a particular kind of AI called an artificial neural network. So the way neural networks learn is literally by wiring up the connections between the different virtual neurons and this is you know as you're getting a neural network that's getting better and better at solving a problem better and better at predicting text for example it's doing that by subtly adjusting the connections between these different different neurons and seeing did that connection make it better at predicting text or did it make it worse if it's worse uh, don't go that direction if it's better keep that adjustment and see if we can do another adjustment that brings us even closer next time It's a little hard
0: to wrap your head around, but we interact with this kind of AI almost every day.
2: So this turns out to be an approach that works really well for solving a lot of problems we don't know how to solve otherwise. So language translation was one of the big first commercial applications of this kind of approach because we don't know how to write down rules for how do you translate every possible word or phrase of one language into another.
0: So you give the program a lot of parallel text, the same thing written in multiple languages. It takes this virtual Rosetta Stone and figures out the meaning of individual words and how they get put together by comparing all those texts with each other. That way, when you type in a sentence like, I love to knit hats, or that is a beautiful sweater, it can give you the same sentence in multiple languages. But remember, the AI is largely guessing, especially at first. So results can be a little off. I used Google to translate I love to knit hats through four different languages, then back to English. In the end, I love to knit hats morphed into I enjoy working alongside hats. You can kind of see how it got there, but the meaning is now completely different. Voice recognition is another common use for AI, whether it's telling Alexa to play a certain song or transcribing voicemail and other recordings. But there's a hitch. The AI needs to recognize the words you're using
2: if you're thinking of automatic voice transcription, and it's not 100%, especially if you're talking about something that not a lot of people talk about, it'll tend to start really guessing incorrectly.
0: I'm sorry, Dave.
2: I'm afraid I can't do that. We have an epic example of
0: this right in the archives of Fiber Nation. I had taped an interview at an alpaca farm, and we used a lot of specialized terminology related to animal breeds and fleece and genetics Because we're cheap, I'd used an automated transcription service for the audio, and boy did it go bonkers. Here's what the transcript said. Speaker 1. I do not have a gun in there. Speaker 2. It's not cranky. I mean, I'm trying to get a look at the state bowling felonies. It's so unbelievably soft. Speaker 1. I've never handled the cuneiform, but I've seen photos. How does the popular cornea and the baconian fleece compare? Sometimes, though, an AI program succeeds all too well at its task. And here's a true story that has nothing to do with knitting, but is pretty important in our lives. Just because an AI program is doing all the thinking, that doesn't mean it's without human bias. A pretty famous example occurred at Amazon several years ago when they tried piloting an AI program to select resumes.
2: They found that it had learned to avoid the resumes of women because... They had trained it on the decisions that hiring managers had made in the past.
0: And it never selected a single resume from women because Amazon's hiring managers had never selected resumes from women. The AI trained itself to reject resumes with phrases like women's college or female soccer team because none of the resumes it had for comparison used those phrases. If a resume mentioned men's sports, however, it was much more likely to be accepted because while we may want AI to solve our problems, what we're really telling it to do is copy our behavior. Okay, I promise you we are getting to the knitting patterns, but I need to talk to you about a word you're going to hear Janelle use a lot, algorithm. And until this episode, I would have defined an algorithm as a sort of mathy thing that creates my Instagram feed. Essentially, an algorithm is the set of rules or decisions that the AI creates to solve a problem. And those algorithms have this sort of sneaky efficiency that can lead to some really weird mistakes.
2: So you'll get things like there's a famous case of a research group at Stanford that was trying to design an image recognition algorithm to recognize pictures of tumors in pictures of skin. They'd given it lots of example pictures. But what they didn't realize at first is that some of the tumors in their examples had been photographed with rulers for scale.
0: Since the AI found it a lot easier to recognize rulers rather than blurry skin blobs, its algorithm decided that all tumors are rectangles with lines on them.
2: It takes all sorts of shortcuts. It has all these genius shortcuts in mind, and spoiled sport humans just don't like it.
0: These shortcuts create an intersection between useful and weird, and this intersection is where Janelle loves to experiment, at her blog called AIWeirdness.com.
2: And I do weird pop culture experiments with AI and kind of poking at the stuff that maybe it doesn't get right all of the time. Her experiments
0: are hilarious, and you can read about several of them in our show notes page. One of my favorites is when she tried to get her AI to invent Halloween costumes.
2: When I'm doing my experiments with AI, I tend to work a lot with generating text. So this is more along the lines of predicting what text comes next in the sequence.
0: So when Janelle fed 11,000 costumes into her program and asked it to come up with new costumes, the AI had no idea what Halloween was or costumes. It just looked at the words and tried to generate new word combinations that fit its algorithm. And the costumes got pretty weird pretty quick.
2: So you'll get like the gingerbread guinea pig, for example, or you get pajamas made of logs and spiders was one. The fail witch was one I liked. Another thing it tended to generate a lot of were sexy costumes. And because, of course, you know, input data had the word sexy this, sexy that. It learned to do that, but it didn't quite understand how sexy works. I think there was a sexy Gandalf in there. Yeah, there was a sexy hummingbird. And I think actually my favorite of those sexy costumes was the sexy Flying Dutchman.
0: Other experiments included creating new paint names like Snowbonk and Turdly, or Candy Hearts with Valentine messages that we really can't say here. But these were relatively simple experiments where the output was just a few words— so she had no idea what she was in for when a knitter approached her with an idea. A knitter who was, among other things, lazy, stupid, and godless. Okay, we're back, and we are finally at the part where we talk about computer-generated knitting patterns. Now, I had assumed that Janelle knitted, but I was wrong.
2: I do not knit, no. I was vaguely aware that knitting was a thing, but I had never so much as looked at the knitting pattern until somebody, a uh, screen named Joanna B messaged me and said, Hey, you know, you're doing, I see you're doing a lot of text-based generating stuff where the input data is text. Knitting patterns are text. Have you ever thought of doing knitting patterns?
0: Joanna B is a knitter who works in tech. She's on the knitting website Ravelry and part of a group there called Lazy, Stupid, and Godless. As far as I can tell, it's a sassy support group for everything from COVID to online dating to how we really feel about the plotline of Midsummer Murders. Janelle was game and began working with a bunch of knitters from the LSG group, and I did reach out to several members involved in the project, but as of this taping, I hadn't heard back. Anyway, they christened the project Skynet after the evil AI from the Terminator and got started. The first step was to come up with sample patterns to feed Skynet. And just like the AI, the group started out with a lot of trial and error. Janelle told me a bit
2: more when I visited her a few weeks ago. So my first attempt was with this sort of random, fun examples that people had, you know, stuffies, X-rated patterns, (laughs) hats, gloves, whatever. Mm -hmm. And... I was working at the time with this text-generating algorithm that had no pre-training whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So nothing scraped from the internet had never seen a knitting pattern before. And since I myself don't knit, I was looking at these sequences of instructions and rows coming out and said, well, that kind of looks like a knitting pattern now, but I have no idea like what it does or if it's any good. And so you know, I was posted them to the forum and said so uh you know is this anything and what i got back was absolute like astonished hilarity and they would say oh yeah so this thing has asked for a stitch count of six thousand three hundred ninety five stitches within one row and i'm like oh is that is that good and they're like no
1: i'm sorry dave i don't have enough information
0: one of the issues was the way Skynet worked. Remember, it didn't know what a knitting pattern was. It just saw strings of text and tried to imitate them. And Skynet wasn't exactly high powered. It could only remember 75 characters at a time.
2: So 75 characters, is it's almost as if, you know, you're reading a page of text and you have a tiny little window that you're looking through like just a slit, you can only see a line or two at a time, and you're trying to predict what comes next just based on this really small picture. So this caused confusion.
0: The new pattern might repeat a cast-on three times because Skynet forgot it had already written it. It might write knit 12 over and over and over, creating long straggly tentacles. Skynet had a particular affinity for increases, often tripling or quadrupling stitch counts every single row, and that's how so many patterns ended up with like 6,000 stitches. And then there were the names. Skynet's naming algorithm was a bit erratic. Patterns like Lacey 2047 and Rib 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 sort of made sense, but Paw Knot Pointed Two Stitch Two or Butt Scarf were mystifying. The pattern Tiny Baby Whale Soto sounds like an adorable toy, but in reality it looks like something my cat left in our litter box after a really rough day. Skynet was teaching itself, but it wasn't doing a very good job. Like a lot of AI programs, at least in the beginning, it needed some serious tweaking.
2: But if the learning is not going very well and we're getting kind of garbage out of this knitting pattern, a human can look at the output and say, hmm, these aren't very knittable. This is funny, but nothing makes sense. And so that was where I was when the, with the first outputs from Skynet that were this sort of grab bag of stuff. And I Mm -hmm. realized that this wide-ranging data set had just too much stuff for this particular algorithm to learn. Sweaters turning into socks and (laughs) tentacles and things. And so this goes back to how do you improve one of these algorithms, which is, okay, I have to give it more targeted data, I have to give it shorter, simpler patterns, that are all of the same sort of thing.
0: The group decided to use stitch patterns rather than project patterns for its next data set. Stitch patterns are just swatches, short, standardized, and often repetitive in a way Skynet could handle. Things got better, kind
2: of. And so when I gave the neural net that much more consistent data set, that's when things got knittable. That's when, you know, knittable for a certain definition of knitable. People would describe the experience of working with these patterns as something like trying to do a pattern written by a very elderly relative who was maybe a bit confused and didn't know English very well. One thing that
0: surprised Janelle was that so many people from the Lazy, Stupid, and Godless group volunteered for the project. She was getting piles of swatches sent to her from around the world. She was
2: astounded how into it people got and how many hours they spent knitting these things that I had just generated and had no idea if they were any good. Like, I was so dependent on the community for turning these random bits of text into physical objects that some of which were just stunningly beautiful or deeply, deeply weird. What this
0: episode lacks in Killer Robots, it makes up for in real life heroes, the knitters who worked with Skynet. Not only did they spend countless hours knitting the patterns Skynet created, they spent just as much time debugging them. Skynet's instructions were often pretty vague. One row might be worked over 30 stitches, while the next was worked over 50, and it didn't tell the knitter how to add those missing 20 stitches. Did you increase across the row? Did you cast on extra stitches? A knitter might send in multiple interpretations of the same swatch, and they all looked wildly different. Janelle still has many of these swatches, which is why I went to visit her. You want to you show me some samples? Yes. So, so you've got a, a pack of there, and so these are from—is this all from one knitter, or is this these from— These
2: are from a variety of knitters. Okay. So...
0: She hands me a big pile of bubble wrap mailers. Inside each one is a series of swatches. Every swatch has been tagged with its name and then carefully wrapped in tissue. Alternate versions of the same swatch are marked, along with what the knitter did differently. There is such a careful meticulousness here. Then I unwrap a tissue and see the chaos it contains. You may
2: recognize this one from my blog. This is Make Cows and Shapcho. It looks like broccoli. A knitter on the LSG forum
0: described Make Cows as beautiful broccoli grabby hands, which is pretty apt. It's kind of lacy, kind of ruffly, kind of ribby, and I have no idea how Skynet came up with this. Janelle pulls out another sample. So here's one called Three Land.
2: And <laughs> this is the one, one, the knitter who made that one complained and said it was uh, very uncomfortable yeah, and tight. I,
0: how the hell did she knit this? It looks like the knitter cast on 10 stitches and immediately increased to over 100 on the next row. I tried working a few of these patterns, and it's clear that Skynet never heard of ergonomics. Some actually hurt to knit. Janelle has a lot of these swatches on her blog, and you can find a link in the show notes. You can also find a PDF of instructions for these on Ravelry. Again, check out the show notes for the link. And for those of you who crochet, Janelle created a similar AI, this one called Hat 3000. You might get the Space Odyssey reference. It, too, had some issues. No matter how a pattern started, pretty much everything turned into a lumpy coral brain hat hybrid that would take a lifetime to finish.
2: And you would see, you know, people would post the improv progress pictures and you'd start out with, you know, the first few rows would be kind of normal looking and then the ends would start to get maybe a little floppy looking and then the ruffles would develop ruffles and turn into a brain. And there's one person who's really persistent and kept doing this pattern, I think it was called Brim Hat Pattern Number 1708, but, you know... By the time they got to row 9, there were 1,700 stitches just in that row, and it looked like a brain. And then row 10 had 3,500 stitches, and that took almost 10 hours to just do row 10.
0: Once we'd finished looking at the swatches, we wrapped them back up, and the story of Skynet might end here. People send Janelle the odd knitted swatch now and then and post it on Ravelry and Twitter, but that's about it. Except... Janelle uses a much more powerful AI program now, and it's been preloaded with a lot of stuff. In her words, most of the internet. So as Janelle and I were talking, I hinted that it would be pretty cool to test it with full-on patterns again, something simple but an actual project. And amazingly, she said yes. I sent her five hat patterns, which she fed into her beefed-up Skynet. The next morning, she sent me several new hat patterns it had generated, and wow, Julia and I met to go over them. The first one, called Hat of the Future, actually looked like a real done-by-a-human and knittable-by-humans pattern. It had a long introduction all about how the hat was inspired by the designer's favorite film, Back to the Future. And it could totally have been written by a nostalgic knitting film buff. As for the pattern itself, there were a few wonky things, but you could follow the instructions and with a few small tweaks get something wearable. But then things started getting a little off.
1: Which, I mean, there's not there's not anything terribly funny in this particular pattern. But when you actually... So as you had mentioned, the beginning is weirdly...
0: It's completely coherent. Yeah. So cast on 112 stitches, that seems...
1: Like you could put a head in and it. And it.
0: it's got place marker, join for working in the round. Mm-hmm. Being, so it's got that. Knit eight rounds. Knit 80. <laughs> knit 48 <laughs> rounds. Knit another round. Knit, knit 68 rounds. Then you knit 18 rounds. Then you knit 52 rounds. Knit to next fourth to last fourth round. 15 rounds. I have no idea what that means. I don't know what that means. Knit three rounds. Purl one round. Bind off with basic bind off method. So you
1: got all, it's all knit stitches and then one purl row at the very end.
0: In a tube that's about three and a half feet long (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Janelle had increased the chaos factor of each pattern, basically dialing up Skynet's creativity. But creative to Skynet meant something increasingly incoherent to us. We noticed that almost every hat had a brim that you knit at the end, then folded and sewed to the top of the hat to create ears with holes. And that sounds like nonsense, but it's actually a good demonstration of how AI works. I looked at the patterns I had sent Janelle. Most of them had some sort of brim, and they mentioned how you could fold the brim to keep your ears cozy. Most of them ended with a small hole at the top that you closed with the remaining yarn. A few had pom-poms sewn to the top. Skynet had identified these elements—brims, holes, ears, sewing—and predicted they should be in each pattern. But it hadn't done a great job of predicting how they went together. Then things kind of went off the rails. One pattern called knit food actually got bigger as you knit the hat, looking more like a pan of Jiffy Pop popcorn. Maybe that was the food. It also said people would be amazed to see you knitting french fries, which technically is perfectly true. Another pattern was for pillowcases, not hats. And one, we're still trying to figure it out. In fact, we could barely get through reading it. Ornate robot hat is part of a collection we call... <laughs>
1: Sploidons! <laughs> Colorful, fanciful things in whim- whimsical shapes. <laughs> I like it as sploidons. It's taking sploidons as, like, an actual type of pattern that exists. Sploidon patterns can be used to make costume accessories as well as toys and decorative items for children and adults. Particularly intriguing
0: is the cable pattern used here. It forms a pattern over the crest and face of the robot that looks as if it were burnished with a special jeweled tool. <laughs> a very enjoyable hat to knit. Yeah. I could go on, but you get the idea. The newer, souped-up Skynet could indeed create simple patterns that seemed like they'd been designed by a human being, but then it got lost in an incomprehensible, if delightful, word salad. So if you're afraid that AI will soon morph into human-killing robots like Hal and that creepy android from the Alien movies, this episode should prove that you have nothing to worry about. Maybe more importantly, you don't need to worry that artificial intelligence will replace human designers anytime soon. As Janelle pointed out to me, creativity for an AI is often the same thing as chaos. It ultimately took human knitters to debug the Skynet patterns, using a combination of knowledge, logic, and improvisation that Skynet just couldn't match. The only hat patterns that truly worked were basic beanies, and even those needed a little goosing. And this is by no means meant to dismiss artificial intelligence. We humans rely on it more and more, from language applications to financial investigations to cutting-edge medicine. But at this point, I think an AI knitwear designer is as likely as the Terminator going back in time. At least not until Skynet masters sock patterns. At that point, we might very well be doomed.
2: Why do you cry?
0: Thank you for listening to Fiber Nation. If you like us, please rate us and leave a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Your reviews help other people find us. Fiber Nation is produced by me, Alison Korleski. Our co-producer and audio engineer is Deisha Clay. Julia Pillard wrangled knitting patterns for us. Fiber Nation is part of Interweaving Golden Peak Media and our executive podcast producer is Jared Mayer.
1: Oh, these are underwear.
0: The most common recommendation for undies, making is to avoid any fabrics that will roll.
1: Hey, will that bottom be sweet (laughs) Sweet on me? (laughs) Oh, my God. Being hit on by a computer program. Wow. I will be honest with you and say I don't know how feasible any of these are to knit.